Right now at Strava Craft Coffee, DNVR listeners, you guys can get 25% off your first purchase with the code DNVR25. And if you're a returning customer, you can use the code DNVR20 for 20% off your order. Of course, Strava Craft Coffee is packed with CBD. can help relieve back pain, neck pain, arthritis, IBS, stuff that's been going on for a while, long-term uh, aches and pains that you just haven't been able to get rid of. Try out CBD, try out Strava Craft Coffee. It can really help a lot. So use the code DNVR20 for 20% off. If you're a first-time customer, DNVR25 will get you 25% off at StravaCraftCoffee.com. What is up, everybody, and welcome into the DNVR Nuggets podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use promo code DNVR whenever you sign up. Win some money. Follow along with us. We're trying this. There's a very small number of DNVR members who are in the chat right now live watching this. I'm going to try something out a little unique. In years past, I've done Notebook Pod, even before DNVR, I've always done the Notebook Pod where I go back and rewatch games, I'll clip different things together and talk about what I found interesting. I'm going to do that one today, but we're doing it live. We're doing it live. And the benefit of the people that are tuning in live, you don't have to, no ads. Uh, Harris and I are going to be, be carrying the show today, no ads, and we're going to be watching the video. So if you have questions as I'm explaining a video uh, clip that I saw, uh, go ahead and, and hit it in the chat. I'll, I'll try to answer them as they come in live. And I think this will be a really cool format for DNVR members only. And of course, if you're thinking about becoming a member, it's just $5 a month and you get a free t-shirt, you get all kinds of perks, but most importantly, you get access to all of the premium content that we do at DNVR, including Harrison's great write-up on the story. What I thought was the story, what Harrison thought was the story last night, Will Barton shining uh, for the team. But first, of course, let me introduce my co-host today, Harrison Wynn. Harrison, I got to tell you, man, some days I dread going back and doing the rewatch. Some days I am so excited to go back and do the rewatch. This was one of the latter, and I got to say, 10 times better on rewatch. It was so great. <laughs> I can't wait. I feel so privileged to be included in a, not even just a notebook pod, but a list edition of the podcast. This is this is rare company. Um, you should feel our No, it's ridiculous. It's going to be fun. I would love to make this a new thing. Like, I, I'm always trying to think of ways to add value to our DNVR members, something that they can do, and I think this would be a really good one. Um, so if you're new to the show, for whatever reason, if you didn't realize that we do this, uh, the Notebook Pod is where I go in chronological order and just highlight all the things that I thought were very interesting um, and, and kind of explain the game through just notes. So there's not necessarily a cohesive thread, like this is the most important thing, this is the second most important thing. Instead, I just go in chronological order and usually we'll hit on everything. The first note I have on here is the first play. So you can see this on the screen, Harrison. Is it popping up? Yep, looks great. All right, so the first play, it's always interesting what a team decides to do on the first play because it's indicative mm -hmm. of something that they feel comfortable with. Like this is a play that we feel is going to get a, you know, that is like one of our go-tos. And this is a play that the Nuggets have, uh, have run a lot in the past, uh, last year with Aaron Gordon. I've been referring it to elbow get. I'm actually talking to half-court hoops. I, I didn't hear from them today, but I want to get the exact terminology and some other examples of, of how the Nuggets run this one. But you see it starts out with this little down screen from Monte Morris. You enter the ball to the wing, <laughs> you get a down screen, and then it's immediately into this cross screen. Now, what I like about it, Monte's involved, 
But what this play really is doing is dragging the defender, the two guards into the weak side over here as spot ups. Why this is important. This is what makes Denver in a nutshell. This is what makes the Denver Nuggets so unique and why I think they can be like the Golden State Warriors or any of these teams that have created unstoppable actions. What you're doing is putting Michael Porter Jr., who's your small forward, on the wing where he is automatic. If you get Michael Porter Jr., the spot, a jumper here, it's going in. And defenses know that. You get two guards over here on this side, and these guys are pretty much automatic. I mean, they might not be Michael Porter level good, but they're guards. People aren't going to leave them open. So you've created max spacing in the paint for this inverted 5-4 pick and roll where you're getting a cross screen from Aaron Gordon and you're basically telling teams pick your poison. Denver had a lot of luck with this last year. You probably remember this, Harrison. All of this little free throw line cross screen roll, and it would always be either a Jokic jumper or Gordon dunk, depending on what the defense uh, picks. On this one, you see DeAndre Ayton and Jay Crowder both roll with Aaron Gordon, and Jokic gets the little, little elbow jumper. If we watch it again in full speed, you're going to see here how simple this play is. You basically get to this point and clear out. Cross screen, make the defense decide. They choose that one. Jokic says, thank you very much. It's a great little three-man action um, that the Nuggets uh, that the Nuggets are going to run a lot of that involve those three guys. I've got to think Aaron Gordon being so athletic, being such a lob threat, just like being a guy that you can throw the ball up to at the rim and he just goes and gets it. That probably played a large part in both those guys gravitating towards Aaron Gordon and just leaving Jokic wide open. Like if you have a guy there who's not that athletic right. of a threat. Like if that's Jeff Green, both those guys probably aren't going with Jokic. I don't or he with might, Aaron Gordon. He he they might. I mean, Jeff Green has some athleticism, but you are right that that's what makes this so valuable. And really, we're going to talk about this on the next play. But part of what makes them so valuable is the dynamic you have between Jokic, Porter, and Gordon. They all have elite skills that are different. Jokic physically elite like size, weight. You can't put a guy who's six ten you know, uh, two, 210 on him, two, 220 on him. Like, you just can't do that. He'll, he'll murder that guy. With Michael Porter, he's six foot 11. You can't put a small forward on him because he's too tall. And then Aaron Gordon is just so strong. So teams are in constantly in a, uh, a pickle about what they're supposed to do. And here's another example that utilizes those three guys. And, and once again, uh, it takes place um, on an out-of-bounds play and utilizes these three guys. So you enter the ball here. Same thing, you'll notice. Your guards are spacing the court. But now you're just running a little pin down action. And what you've done already is you've gotten the switch. Mm -hmm. You've got Michael Porter. Aiton had to switch out on him. Now Mikael Bridges is here. Again, this is everything in basketball early on in a possession is can you force a team to get out of their position they want to be in? And look how easy that was for Denver. This is what's so cool about it. It didn't, it, all it took was one pin down, elbow entry, floor spaced. Got him. Whatever we want right now, we're getting. Yoke's grabbing this board if it comes off. And if it, and if it, and I mean, Michael Porter's not really missing this one too often, but you have everything you want set up just with, with one simple baseline out of bounds. I'm going to open this one up. Anything in the comments so far? It's hard with this shared screen uh, to kind of bounce back and forth between everything I have. Um, got France in the comments. Uh, love below. it. Bonjour. Um, Denver was switching Michael Porter Jr. onto Chris Paul without hesitation in this game, and I think that's an interesting one. Early on, defensively, I thought Michael Porter actually was kind of weak in that first half. It was struggling a little bit, and the Suns were going right at him over and over and over again, and, and not just at him, at the 
Porter Jokic combo. They would get him. So they saw that they were switching easily. They would get him switched out onto Chris Paul, and then they would run that two man action, trying to make him defend. And this is part of why Aiton got off to such a, a strong start was, you know, Denver was scrambling like the way they play defense. They, they were really putting a bind there. But Denver, what's interesting is Denver felt comfortable enough that they were not having Porter switch o- fight over screens or whatever. They were just having him straight switch. So Denver mm-hmm. feels either confidence in Porter's ability to do that or that it was the best option for them defensively. And the fact that they were doing this against Chris Paul and the Suns, the team that knocked him out of the playoffs, doing that exact thing, to me that shows you that they are like, no, this is who we are. We just have to get better at it. And I thought that was pretty interesting. I've got to think if you're Michael Porter and your team isn't like changing up its defensive technique to compensate for how bad of a defender you've been in the past, like that's got to be a confidence booster. Totally. If Malone saying like, we're going to switch everything, you know, that includes stuff with you, Mike too. Right. That's gotta, that's gotta boost his confidence. The biggest surprise to me of this game was just how locked in Denver was with the details on both ends of the court. But where it really shines is defensively because the preseason was sloppy. The details were not very great in the preseason. You could argue that there were stretches where the starting unit had great, you know, the first quarter stint of every preseason game, the starters looked pretty good. But I did not expect Denver to be as dialed in on rotations, on hedges, just on footwork, on everything. This was a very impressive game. And it was interesting here in the ESPN. I watched the Altitude broadcast from the bar last night live. Today I watched the ESPN broadcast. I always like when I get an opportunity to hear different broadcasts because you just hear kind of people's different mm-hmm. points or perspectives. But they were commenting on how chippy this game was and how dialed in both teams were, how it did not feel like the first game of the season. And I think if you watch the highlights of some of the other games that happened last night, there were a lot of games that were just so sloppy where you're like, yeah, this is, this is like the extra preseason game. The first regular season game feels more preseason even than it does anything else. I didn't think that was the case last night. Denver, Denver brought their focus and it was night and day different um, from, from what we had seen in, in years prior. Totally. Um, the Nuggets wanted this game. Like they definitely. really wanted it. Will Barton talked about this last week and yeah, I, I wrote about it a little today. Like they came into this game really wanting it. I'm sure the Suns did too. Like the Suns didn't want to get embarrassed on their home floor on opening night after right. sweeping the Nuggets and going to the finals. But um, Denver, Denver wanted this one. They, they wanted, you know, they have unfinished business. I can't they, they sleep, wanted I, it. I can't overstate how good Denver looked, especially on rewatch. Here's a great example. One of the emphasis uh, for the season for Michael Malone has been transition and sprinting to the corner. You look mm-hmm. at this, Barton contests the shot, did a great job of running out, and he gets right to the corner. And here's why it's important. In fact, I think Monte made a bad, uh, bad read here. But Michael Porter, first of all, ran faster than all three of these guys. He beats all of them from starting behind to getting in front. Um, and then you get the guy to the corner and what you got was essentially a three on one. And this is why it's so deadly. I actually would have liked Monte to go to some MPJ on this one Definitely. instead goes to the corner and will Barton makes a nice little move, but it was by virtue of Barton getting out and getting to the corner that that, and, and also Michael Porter running so hard that this play was able to be so dynamic. Cause you look at it, they actually get five guys back before the other two come, but it doesn't matter because of how well they set it up. And, and I thought that one really stood out as I was watching it live. The transition stuff was so interesting. I'm sure you'll you'll bring up some of these plays, but Jokic just straight up beating Aiton down the floor, like time yeah. and time again, gave Denver so many easy baskets. And like, that's another thing we've heard throughout the preseason. Yeah, they want to shoot more threes. They want to run more too. And they they beat the Suns down the floor routinely last night. 
Right. Here's another example. I actually forgot I had a second a second example of this exact concept. Um, this is later in the game, but we're fast forwarding a little bit. We see great contest. Ag the deep man back sprints. Michael Porter is able to bring the ball up. He gets to the. This corner. was actually my favorite pass of the night from Porter. It was a good one because he did it right in stride. But his one of the points I want to make about this is another there's so many little things that make denver just hyper unique They're, they might be the most unique team in all the nba in large part because Jokic is the most unique player in the nba but one of the other things that makes them dynamic and why i think they should have a very good transition offense this year is because all five guys can bring the ball up the court and i know every team says this like oh ayton can bring the ball up the court like we we trust him to do that but not in a dynamic way like he can bring it up and hand it off to the guards or whatever but he can't bring it up and run the court michael porter he brings it up here. He's got those long strides. He's such a threat to score. The defense is on their heels, so he decides to run. And I love that he makes the pass here. A lot of guys will take another extra dribble here and then pass. And by that point, guys can respond. But he's like, no, it's here. We have so much time. AG gets to set up and knock down the three, and he gets that. The transition points last night, Denver had 18. They averaged 12.4 last year. So, yes, it's only one game, but that's, you know <laughs> – that's quite a bit more, 50% more transition points last night than they averaged uh, on the season. Yeah, I loved how they got out and ran. Like like I said, that, that's been a big point of emphasis from Malone in the preseason. And you weren't quite sure how it was going to translate because sometimes preseason stuff just never really translates. There's always a drop-off. But um, it seemed like it did. Yep. Here's another one. So one of the things I love about Aaron Gordon, and this is where when you've heard us talk about a lot, AG as a fourth option is like elite as a third option. Maybe he's not so much, but one of the reasons I think he's elite as a fourth option is because he's very good at keeping the ball popping, but he's also just like capable of putting the ball in the court. So him and Torrey Craig, very similar in terms of their threats to score, in my opinion, like athletic slashers whatever but one of the things that makes them different is you run this little double drag screen nothing happens in fact i think i actually think they didn't run it very well aaron gordon doesn't do a very good job of getting good position on this so he allows uh chris paul to go over so it's a little bit of a mistake by him and as a result look yoke just has no ability to like slow that mm -hmm. but as the ball reverses this is the difference between tory craig tory craig just has to get the ball back right now like there, this there's no give the ball here and see what happens and Aaron Gordon has the strength and ability just to make a simple little attack. He doesn't, there's nothing crazy. This is a great setup by Will Barton, but it's just at least that you don't, you're not saying no, don't dribble or just find a guard. You're able to keep it moving. And again, this is another example of all five guys on the roster have the ability to put the ball on the court and it makes such a difference. So this is an example of what I thought Aaron Gordon did so well last night in terms of playing within himself and not trying to do too much. He had a similar play like that. I think it was in the first quarter too, where he tried to attack, tried to go behind the back and turned it over. It, it might've been right. sometime in the right. first half that on that play, he stopped short of like trying to get past anybody and just took what the defense gave him. So like, right. yeah, that, that's him playing within himself. And I just want to make a quick note here. I know a majority of you guys are are listening to this as a podcast, um, an overwhelming majority of you. I want to. Our aim is to keep this so that it's a podcast focused thing. Um, you don't have to watch the video along. The videos will be up on the list. So if you didn't get to listen to this live, you, the video clips will be up on the list for this, so you can see what we're referencing. But we're hopefully describing not just one off events, but more broader things that are happening with the team as as this is going on. Um, 
let me see what the note is here. Oh, this is Michael Porter still not quite seeing one step ahead. So this is one of those plays where Michael Porter right now is just focused on, okay, what's Bridges about to do? What he really should be focusing on is both his man and obviously the ball because they are dragging him away from help right now on purpose. He's supposed to be there. Yeah. And you can see Aaron Gordon letting him know. And it's like, oh, crap. I was solely focused on my guy here and not focused on the, the rest of the court. This is what makes he, basketball so He's got to be facing level. the other way, right? Like he's got his back to the ball right here. I mean, this what's tough about this is in today's NBA, guys do come off these pin downs so fast, and you're you're always like, don't let my guy get wide open here. But yes, he probably should be a little bit closer and a little bit more rotated, maybe 60 degrees more rotated so he can see both. But more importantly, he just needs to be thinking about what's going on on the court, not what's going on with his man. And right now, as soon as this pass gets entered to this side, you know, he's a threat to run around out here, sure. But once the ball gets to right here, it's like, okay, now I have to be thinking that the balance shifted to this side and there's probably going to be some action that's happening over here that I need to be ready for. And he's just not. And this is the thing about MPJ. It's one mistake, right? We got to forgive him a little bit, but mistakes like that are 100% baskets. Like the, the wide open dunk under the basket is a 100% play. So even if you have nine good defensive, like slightly above average defensive possessions, you mix that in with one like 0% chance of a stop. And all of a sudden you're a below average aggregate defense. And that's what happens with MPJ at the moment, still a little bit too much. Although I thought he cleaned it up a lot in the second half. Yeah. Here's something I'm going to take this to the Broncos for a second, but what do Broncos people say about Teddy Bridgewater? Right. He makes mistakes, but usually they don't crush you. Mm -hmm. um, when MPJ makes mistakes defensively, like, like you said, their baskets. He had that one. Uh, he had one where Bridges just went straight back door on him, and it was a right. wide open layup. Stuff like that just just kills defenses. A couple notes that don't have video here. I thought uh, Aaron Gordon. I made a note of this in the first preseason game where he looked very explosive off of the catch. There were a number of times today he looked really explosive. He even or yesterday he even had one where he dropped the ball because he was trying to go so quick. And look, you never want a turnover, but I'm okay with it because. Gordon's it's one of his best um, abilities for him to add right, one of the biggest keys he can bring to this offense. It's not three point shooting. Everybody thinks about spacing as and gravity as just three point shooting. Dwayne Wade for a lot of years was the, was one of the top gravity guys in the NBA. Meaning when he was on the weak side, guys had to guard him quick. And one of the reasons was he was so good at running downhill that defenses were afraid to let him get that first step. They wanted to get into a space, so he had to take a long way around. Aaron Gordon, while not Dwayne Wade with his mobility or agility or handle, he is equal to that in athleticism. And he did a good job, I thought, of catching on kickouts and attacking very quickly. And that is a way of keeping the ball popping. You think of the ball popping is the ball's moving from the pass. And that's primarily how you think of it. Mm -hmm. But it's also drive and kick, drive and kick. And the drive and kick aspect of that, it's another skill Aaron Gordon has that maybe gets slept on a little bit. He's not always the best like finisher or give him the ball, let him bring it up and create something off of it. But if you get a scramble defense and you have a half step, He's very good at turning that half step into a full step because he's quick off of the catch and go, and then he makes a good read uh, on the move. So I thought he did a really good job of that last night, and it was one of the reasons Denver got the ball popping. Yeah, I think that's a great point. It's kind of the old Spurs and Greg Popovich philosophy of the .5 mentality. Yeah, you know? totally. Like a reason – this is a throwback, but a reason we loved Wancho here in Denver 
is because he always made a quick decision. You know, he, he right. was always confident and, and made a quick decision. Yep. If he was shooting it, if he was passing it, if he was taking it to the rim. Um, yeah. If Aaron Gordon can do that, that's awesome. And it's funny you bring up the Spurs because the other thing that the Spurs are the best at is um, they're the best at catching the ball on the move. So they have guys and they clearly work on this in practice as like a talent, as a skill of be ready to shoot. But you have to know, am I shooting this or am I not before you catch the ball? Like you're reading the defense. So before you catch it, you know, like my mind frames already in shooting motion or if not, like you run into the catch. So it's like you're ready and then you sprint. So you're actually moving before you catch it and you catch the defense off guards. Aaron Gordon didn't necessarily do a great job of that last night, but he did do a good job of once he caught it, he was he was off and running and he's just so quick with that first step. Before we get back to the show, guys, I want to remind you that we are now sponsored by Ball across the entire DNVR network. You probably know Ball as in Ball Arena where the Nuggets play. Well, they're actually a lot more than that. Ball is a aerospace technology company. They're also the world's largest aluminum can and packaging manufacturer. They've actually been leading global sustainability efforts for decades. And Ball reached out to us. They needed our help here in Denver at their Golden Plant. They have floor manufacturing positions for production technicians and other roles available. While you might ask, well, they need to make more cans. In 2020, Ball made over 101 billion cans and they're gonna make even more going forward. So they're hiring production technicians to make even more. They're adding line capacity to their 400 person plant here in town in Golden, Colorado because the demand for sustainable aluminum beverage cans, it's greater than ever. So if you want more information, go to jobs.ball.com and search for Golden, or you can text Golden to 77222 if you want more info. Again, go to jobs.ball.com and search for Golden, or you can text Golden to 77222. This weekend at DraftKings, they've got an awesome deal. If you haven't, downloaded the app and signed up. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, they've got you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. If they do, you pocket $200 in free bets. It's as simple as that. Bet $5 on any NFL team, any NFL game this week. Pick a team. If that team wins, you win $200 in free bets if you bet $5. DraftKings Sportsbook also has same game parlays. NFL, NBA, we've been taking advantage of some of these in uh, the NBA so far, although the season just started. Get in on those as well. So make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets if they win. With promo code DNVR, of course, this week only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Also want to get into DraftKings pick of the week. The Broncos taking on the Browns. Thursday night football, probably kicking off when some of you guys are listening to this, uh, hopefully before. I'm taking the Broncos plus one and a half to get back in the win column. That's for my DraftKings pick of the week. Broncos plus one and a half over the Browns Thursday night football. Next note I have here. Let me see here. Let me run through this play here. I had it written down, but it's hard to kind of go back and forth. Oh, yes. So what I like about this one, first of all, this play is going to pop up later in the in the show. I, I'm going to call it Slice for right now. Um, I'm sure it's got another name. 
But what you basically see, I don't see if you, I don't know if you see this. You got just a little like handoff to reverse the court. Yeah. But you're bringing Michael Porter through, and you're basically getting a double pin down. The first one on this right side, and then the second one on the left side. So as we watch it play through, Porter comes out, and you have a basically a quarterback right here gets to decide which one he goes. Michael Porter's running up the three-point line. You can see Monte's checking the defense, doesn't like it. Barton's coming off a better screen from Jokic here. He likes that one. And here's what I love that Barton does. If you catch right here and go up, you have a semi-open jumper, but you let DeAndre Ayton off the hook. Right now, he has to split two. You can see he's playing in between. Barton's sole focus here is, I'm going to make DeAndre Ayton commit. So he takes a dribble right. in, and once he's here and recognizes the commit, he just throws it up high. Switch, and this is a perfect – I just love the way he got the ball out of his hands early, but also not so early that he did, he let Aiton off the hook. He Just long enough to commit. They switch back. Jokic throws up a classic yoke, and it goes in. But um, that that was all set up by Will Barton, just the perfect timing, not too late, not too early on that, that delivery. Um, and Barton, by the way, you're going to see this a few more times today or hear me talk about it a few more times. He's just so good at, the, at that specific skill – of that that two-man game with Jokic. One of the storylines was we wondered how is the, we know the Murray Jokic two-man game. How is the Barton Jokic two-man game? It was sensational in this game, mm -hmm. and it was because of things like that. I love um, that play design though. So much spacing. Like the well, entire lane is wide open on that. The the most interesting play of the game came off of that exact same set. So we're going to talk about that in a moment. But Jokic in the bench, uh, we got that for a minute. It didn't score in two possessions. Um but they also didn't get scored on. Like it was two possessions each way, good defensive stops. Offensively, they didn't knock anything. It was 26 to 15 when Jokic checked out. Um, am I still sharing my screen? <laughs> my notes no, you're not sharing it anymore. It's just us. Uh, okay. 26-15 uh, when he checked out. The second uh, unit, you know, they actually – I actually thought they played okay. I know this is crazy to say. I actually thought oh. they played well and did some very interesting things. They didn't knock down any shots. They went really cold, but they got several wide open looks. Um, and I, I don't know that that second unit is going to be good. I think it's going to be a work in progress. I still think the stagger, but this is why fans can watch something and say like, oh, bones, of course you need a scorer out there. Or, oh, you need to stagger this or that. And it, like, it's an easy fix. And if you do it 100% of the time, it's going to work out. Whereas if you don't do it 0% of the time, Last night, the Nuggets just missed some wide-open shots. Austin Rivers missed two wide-open three-pointers. Uh, Jamichael Green missed two wide-open three-pointers. Jeff Green missed a couple in the first. And even layups. And uh, uh, there was a no-call. Like, he drives to the basket. It looked like he clearly got fouled. There's no call, and, you know, it goes the other way. So I actually felt less discouraged after watching the second unit the second time around than I did the first time. Um, and I just thought that was noteworthy. Well, that's good because uh, Michael Malone post game definitely made it sound like we're going to see that unit again. <laughs> we definitely are going to see it again. Um, here's one example of what's interesting about the second unit. You're exchanging height for pick and pop ability. And here's a little highlight reel of Jeff Green and and how difficult. Like You have a rim protector here in JaVale McGee. Just watch how out of, out of place he is trying to guard Jeff Green. That's the play I'm talking <laughs> about where it looked like a no call. But you see JaVale McGee's getting blown by. Here's pick and pop. Blown by again, gets a foul call. Um, these are all in this stretch, by the way. Little screen, get it back to him. JaVale McGee knows he can't go out there because he just picked up. He got blown by twice, so it's pick and pop. He's wide open. Uh, uh, same thing, a little step up. JaVale McGee, fake fake effort, closeout. He doesn't knock that down, but you know that's a pretty good shot. So that's in one stretch of basketball, 
Granted, it was a pretty bad stretch for the Nuggets. Uh, in one stretch, they got four really good possessions out of it, um, and, and all of them taking advantage of JaVale McGee. So teams that play a traditional shot-blocking center, if they don't punish Denver on the boards, I actually think Denver's going to generate good looks. What's interesting about it is this is the first layer. The first game, like the first 10 games of the season are sort of, okay, who are we? What makes us difficult to guard as a unit? What, where are we weak and how do we shore up those weaknesses? But one of the things that I think Jeff Green and Jermichael Green as a front court on a second unit will do to a lot of teams is they will stretch that big out into uncomfortable spaces. And either right now, Denver is just either catch and go or catch and go uh, and take the shot. But I think as time goes on, Denver's going to figure out ways to take advantage of that that don't involve just taking the shot. Maybe it's, okay, JaVale McGee's out of position here. How can we now use him being out of his position to get a dribble handoff that opens up you know, Barton or MPJ or something? And, and there'll be layers that come off of this. So I overall, I felt like enough good things happened, even though the ball didn't go in the hoop. I thought enough good things happened that I, I feel a lot better about that second unit. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Those two threes that Jeff Green missed right there, he made two of them pretty much from the exact same spot yep. on the floor in the exact same action, except it was Will Barton passing him in the ball in the second half. It was the same exact shot. We, we're going to get to those, and you're going to see them, and you're going to say, yeah, that's sometimes it is as simple as that. That's the difference. I mean, six points versus zero points in those situations, yeah, that's a, that can be a big difference. Um, I thought P.J. Dozier, when I watched the game last night, I was like, he was kind of quiet, didn't didn't really do anything. When I went back and you're really watching rotations, he does so many things well on the defensive end. He's just locked in on ball, off ball. He's always early to rotate, gets his hands in passing lanes. Like I just, I'm, I thought it was actually a really good defensive effort from PJ Dozier last night, even if it didn't pop off the screen. Um, the Suns got momentum in the second. Here's, here's another thing, Harrison, where when you use a one game sample size and the team is a minus 17 in their first stint, you think, okay, everything was terrible. It's, so Denver's missing all these shots. They're getting good looks. Chris Paul knocked down back-to-back -back threes, and that's really what opened up this game. If he doesn't hit those, you know, the bench had a bad stint, but it wasn't atrocious. He comes down and basically dances, pull up three off of basically an ISO, and it, you know, being down a, a negative six turns into a negative 12 in, in the blink of an eye. And again, some of that might have just been tough luck. So the score was 34 to 38 when Jokic and Porter came back in. So Jokic on the bench, the Nuggets got outscored 23 to eight over that six what's, minute stretch. What's, what's interesting about that though is not a ton of teams, I believe, play their starting point guard like with the bench as much as the Suns do with Chris Paul. Right. Um, I don't is that a Suns thing? Is that him wanting to play against Faku? I don't know, but um usually that bench unit isn't gonna go up against a Chris Paul type at the point. It definitely, and this is why it was a good thing that Denver won by 12 last night, is they kind of went their biggest weakness against the biggest strength and still managed to, to dominate that. So um, it should be encouraging, in my opinion. They go to the lineup that featured Faku Compazzo, P.J. Dozier, and Jeff Green alongside Michael Porter Jr. and Jokic. It's an interesting combo. It, this is one of those combos that makes you that like, hey, we're going to find out how much can Jokic and Porter elevate non like defensive players because Je while Jeff Green's good Faku Dozier Jeff Green not exactly hyper dynamic offensively Michael Porter and Jokic obviously are um it didn't look great in the stint but I do think that the Nuggets will keep going back to it and seeing if they have anything um I just have a note in here that Jay Crowder gets away with so much as a flop so many flops yeah. for a non-star like yeah. he might he's not a star 
usually stars get the benefit of the doubt on this stuff. Jay Crowder got so many benefits of the doubt last night. And I was like, it's Jay Crowder. <laughs> it's because he's got this rep as a tough guy. Like so, so, at some point in his career, uh, he got this rep as the, as that type of guy. And it's just followed him since. Yeah. Uh, again, I was just so um, impressed with the, uh, with, with Denver's rotations in this game. They just, uh, I, I can't believe it was the same team from the preseason that played last night because they were so crisp on that front. Um, here's another play that utilizes Denver's front court three. And I, I need a name for it. This is a play I highlighted on the list quite a bit. It's a screen, the screener action. Uh, for those listening, you put both your guards this time, instead of having them on the same side, you bury them both in the corner. So you got Monte in one quarter, you've got uh, Barton in the other one. And you're going to get the back screen. So you're using Aaron Gordon basically as the guy that brings the ball up the court and enters it. And you enter it to Jokic on one elbow, and then you get the back screen between Porter and Gordon. Now, this was a terrible back screen. Why? Porter, <laughs> I mean, look at Porter makes this no is a side screen. It. The side screen, it's like Porter trying to avoid contact. But what I like about it, they blow the rotation. They look very much in uh, the, the Suns, very much look like they're not sure what they're supposed to do. But what I like about this again is. Cam Johnson, not necessarily an elite defender. Mikael Bridges, elite defender. They want Bridges on Porter. He's done a great job of knocking him, uh, of locking him up. So they don't want to switch this naturally. But this is an action that sort of forces them to do that. So in them not switching, they get caught up. And Michael Porter comes along for the wide open three. This was out of a timeout, by the way. Denver's hemorrhaging points right now. They're down 13. You run one of your go-to plays. I think this was also when Porter had only had like a couple shots yep. in the game. This and was definitely let's get him going type, yeah. of, type of play. We were sitting there watching this game. We're like, can we just get Michael Porter Jr. a shot? Sure enough, they come out of the timeout, drop this beauty for him. Do you know what play they ran the next time down? Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember. The exact same play, but we're going to get something <laughs> different out of it. And, it's, and I'm, this goes to show you the pick your poison Denver gets you in. So here, again, even worse screen somehow. But this they, time, they, they switch it better, though. Yep, they but they, it well, they switch it. Well, here's the thing, though. This is a win for Denver. Like, Denver wants them to switch this. So you do this. Now you've got Cam Johnson on Michael Porter. That's a win. But more importantly, Mikael Bridges is too little for this. Yep. He's Mikael Bridges is elite though at, at, at defensively and he gets his hand on this because he's really long-armed and Gordon just doesn't quite do a good job of getting this and it turns into a turnover but it just goes to show you nine out of ten defenders as bad this screen can be a lot better but as bad as the screen was you still got what was nearly a dunk I mean like one inch away from being him catching this and dunking on you so getting a wide open three and a wide open dunk Again, off of simple actions using the big three. This is part of why I'm so high on Denver after watching this game is you see their their go-to stuff and you see how easily they generated A-plus looks out of them, and I think that's really great. This is a great point. Jamal's really good. Jamal's yep. a great screen setter. Uh, yep. He's talked about that a lot over the years, how when he was growing up, he was taller than everybody, so he played center. So he was like learning how to set screens from a very early age, and um, it's part of what makes that inverted Jokic Murray two-man game so great and what's funny is that exact play I just highlighted they run that with Murray I mean they put no. Murray in that back screen spot quite a bit because you think teams don't want to switch the forwards but they're willing to like it's still not that big of a mismatch but when it's Murray and all of a sudden Chris Paul gets switched on to Aaron Gordon or whoever it is that's rolling then it's like a huge mismatch um so absolutely uh, let's go over here. Here's another example of Will Barton that I just love. So you get the the ball screen, you get him. He's receiving a ball screen from Jokic at the top of the key, but watch how he engages, uh, 
he engages uh, DeAndre Ayton to force him to switch. De- Ayton's trying to play cat and mouse, split the difference. Gets all the way in, fully commits, and now guess what? You've got Jokic in position for a rebound as well as he just knocks down the shot. So rather than turn the corner, so like a young player would take it right at the foul line, just dribble mm-hmm. into this, I'm open, free throw line jumper. Analytics tells us that's not a great shot over, you know, if you take a 1,000 of them, you're even if you hit 50%, you're still probably below league average offense on those, and there's not great like foul drawing. But he gets all the way into the paint, fearless, gets him in the air, so now he's fully committed. Yoke sees it and thinks, okay, well, if you miss, I'm going to rebound. So not only do you have a great shot from seven feet, You've bent the defense in a way that Yoke's going to get a tip in if it doesn't go in. Just great patience from from Will Barton, who I think is massively underrated as a pick-and-roll player. Well, that play kind of shows something that people miss about Will Barton. It's just like his veteran savvy and like his cadence and like knowing uh, like how to engage different guys and just um, just the feel of a play. Um, like a lot of that stuff just honestly comes back to him just growing up around the game and yeah. it just like he, he's just got a great feel for that type of stuff totally so the nuggets now then in this stretch is when the wheels kind of came off like the starters came back in and they had a little bit of things going right but they had a lot going wrong for them it's 57 to 41 with one minute and 20 seconds left in the half they're down 16 with a minute 20 from that point on, this is the one of the questions we wanted to answer, and it went so under the radar last night, at least online, where I'm seeing Nuggets fans and really like, you know, like radio guys complaining about Will Barton. We wanted to know when it's clutch time, the end of quarter, end of half, end of game, the port, the Barton Jokic two man game. What does it look like? Well, here's how they closed the final minute twenty: Barton two, Jokic two, Barton three, Jokic three. And three out of those four were off of Barton Jokic two man game plays. So you get. Uh, what is that? 10, 10 points. You go on a 10-0 run to close out the half. You go from down 16 or whatever, or maybe it was 10-2 run, all off of great two-man game between Barton and Jokic. And, and it just was, to me, that's that's one of those things you have to look at and be super encouraged by. Mm-hmm. Before we get back to the show, here's some of the deals going on at Solace Meds throughout the entire month of October. Still got a couple weeks to take advantage of these. Dixie Gummies, 25% off. Solace Bars, 25% off. Solace Sticks, 25% off. Mile High Extractions, 25% off. Summit, 25% off. And 1906 Drops, 25% off as well. When we get to Halloween, coming up in about 10 days, October 30th and October 31st, the entire store, the entirety of Solace Meds, buy three, get one free on any product. On October 31st, you're going to get a cool little goodie bag with a purchase of $50 or more so make sure to head into any solace meds location Uh, they've got one in fort collins one in wheat ridge one off broadway and one on east colfax very close to the dnvr bar also if you stop into any location make sure to drop the code dnvr20 for an additional 20 percent off your entire purchase that's every single time you go to solace meds Uh, you also get a free solace bar absolutely delicious or king cone equally delicious with your purchase as well again that's valid at any of those four locations fort collins wheat ridge broadway and east colfax also guys if you're trying to take out a mortgage maybe you're trying to buy a home and that process looks super intimidating really daunting hit up the good folks at chevalier mortgage michael and virginia chevalier their ultimate goal is to take the stress out of buying and refinancing, which is really stressful to begin with, obviously. They strive to give their borrowers options with their full financial picture in mind. 
and with the highest level of integrity, always putting their borrowers first. Something to keep in mind for homeowners with prices going up, it's creating natural equity in your home. If you have mortgage insurance, chances are you can refinance out of that. Make this bubble work for you. Mike and Virginia Chevalier can help out with that. Go to dnvrmortgage.com, get set up with a free consultation, enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Or you can give them a call, Michael Chevalier. He is at 970-412-2472. Virginia is at 303-257-6578. Like I said, visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Finally, at HassleCattleCompany.com, if you're a DNVR listener and you're interested in getting some damn good Wagyu beef, and you're not in Denver, because if you're in Denver, stop into the DNVR bar. All our burgers have Wagyu beef on them. If you're not local, that's all right. Go to HassleCattleCompany.com. Use the promo code DNVR10. Get 10% off your order. That's promo code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. They've got tons of different stuff to choose from at Hassle Cattle Company. It's all delicious. Steaks, burgers, jerky flavors, beef bacon, Wagyu Franks. It's all top-notch, top-of-the-line, blue-collar Wagyu stuff. Again, use the code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. Or if maybe you got a couple friends who want to get in on Hassle Cattle Company, any order over 200 bucks, you will receive free shipping as well. Check these guys out. I promise you won't be disappointed. Um, the Jokic coast-to-coast in the second half was awesome. It was just so funny. Like <laughs> Jokic has got such a good handle. He actually had two really impressive handles. The one where... I can't, the ball was kind of loose and he's just like constantly like around his back and spin moves and then chest. And he got fouled on it too. I forget whose arm it was that was poking like in there. It might have been or something. Yeah, I think it was campaign, campaign or Mikhail Bridges. Somebody yeah. skinny. But yeah, he, uh, it, and it was funny because that was one where the whole crowd, I, I didn't notice this live because the bar's so loud. But when I watched it the second time, the whole crowd is like, whoa. <laughs> They're like impressed, so impressed with Yoke that they started cheering. It was pretty funny, man. Um, so I, I love that play. Um, oh, here's a great play from Michael Porter that I, that, that really stood out. And this is part of his development. And actually, I think Michael Porter has plays like this in his bag, but he just has not quite confident enough to pull him out. This is transition. Again, nuggets are running. You see transition. Part of why it's so great is defenses are not set. So Aiton's out of position. It looks like you're going to run a little step up screen here, going towards the right side. The defense jumps. But Porter does a nice cross. Gets He sees an open paint, gets all the way to the lane for a bucket. And again, let's watch this now without any interruptions. If you see, this is just good cross. You're going to reject the screen, long strides into the, into the paint. And again, if you've got two guards, I mean, this is Barton and Monte. You don't want to leave either of those guys open. Mm-hmm. Aaron Gordon's in the corner. Okay, but that's why he rejects the screen and gets into a wide open paint. It's just a really yeah. This is the stuff where we think about what is Michael Porter once he's fully comfortable and and not second guessing himself. What does he look like? It's those type of plays way more often, and they're awesome plays. Right, that's a total play where you just rely on your instincts. You see, okay, Gordon's in that corner. I don't want to go that way because I don't want to kick it out to him if everybody collapses. I got Bridges leaning towards the Jokic screen. All right, I'm just gonna go by him. Right. All right, this is the play of the game, Harrison. Are you ready? In my book, it's the play of the game. There was actually a lot of great plays. We're going to watch this play unfold. This is the same play, that slice action. Here we go to the other side. You get pinned down on each side, and it doesn't work. The play, like, okay, we didn't get anything out of it. And Michael Porter now just improvises. So this has just becomes 
I always talk about there's 10 seconds left on a clock. You run a play to try to get some type of advantage. Denver didn't get any. So it's like, we're just going to run a little two-man game up here. Michael Porter improvises here in a way Yoke doesn't realize. Like this, he's not supposed to be here. And you can see Yoke is <laughs> yeah. like, oh, oh, crap. But Yoke adjusts on the fly because this is just playing basketball, read and react. And he's like, let's get the flare screen going. So he sets the flare screen, gets him to jump out. And here we are. You turn 10 seconds on the shot clock right here. Nothing, you know, nothing came of this play. And we turn it in just a few seconds into a wide open rolling to the basket. Now, what I like about this most, I've actually, if you've been following the list for a while, you've heard me say that the dribble handoff between Michael Porter and Jokic can be made unguardable by two things. One, Michael Porter being comfortable enough walking right into, like he grabs the handoff and goes right into a shooting motion because he's 6'10", 6'11", and his shot's so good. Even if you don't make them all, if you just make 37% of your threes off of that, defenses will panic so much that they're going to overplay it. Well, that's what happens in this play. It's not a handoff. It's a flare, but a flare, same thing, that the defense panics. They think, oh, crap. And DeAndre Ayton steps up. Jay Crowder steps up. And here you get a nice rolling to the rim, like perfect play with Yoke. There's also no better player in the NBA to be rolling on this exact uh, action. <laughs> it happened by accident. A little bit like they run this play, but in some ways it's more encouraging that it happened by accident because it's Michael Porter read and reacting, Jokic reacting to him, and then just a beautiful, beautiful pass. Yeah, it was beautiful. I mean, the gravity that MPJ has on that play is insane. He got three guys worried about him, and then it's you know such an advantage. And that's a play MPJ. I don't know if he makes last year. You know, maybe that pass goes to the corner or something, and he doesn't see Jokic down the middle. But yeah. I think it's a sign that, yeah, his game's developing. And I disagree with Yoke. Like, Yoke is such – he's so hard on him. He's like, there was two guys on him, zero on me. Yes, but it was also a bang-bang read. And I, I just have yeah. to give him – I know Yoke probably gives him credit for it. But that, to me, it was the play of the night because if I envision an unstoppable Jokic-Porter two-man game that can also fit seamlessly into what Denver did when they had Murray, it's that kind of thing. The fact that that came off of a flare screen, not even a DHO, is in many ways more encouraging to me because it shows you off pick and roll, off DHO, off of dribble pitch, off of flare screens. There's so many different ways you can use your gravity by being shot ready, but also knowing that you have that um, that release valve every single time that I just absolutely love. So it was it was so encouraging. Um, I also love little key detail. I love that that was when Denver took the lead for the first time, like since <laughs> the beginning. So it's kind of cool that the, my favorite play of the game also happened to be the one that got them over the hump. I thought Michael Porter battled uh, as an off-ball defender in that second half better than any point I can really remember. Um, it, there was a couple out-of-bounds plays. He's guarding Mikael Bridges, and he's chest-to-chest. -chest. He's doing the thing. If you watch the NBA, I don't understand what's a foul in the NBA sometimes. Defenders always do this when you're like, you know a screen's coming. Like you'll hug the guy, right? Like you'll hug the guy so that you MPJ was doing that. And it's what everyone does. He wasn't getting called for a foul, but it showed to me that he's learning the physicality required to play defense that you have to sometimes mm -hmm. really get chest to chest in the guys. And I just, I was very encouraged by that. Um, another big note that I didn't necessarily notice in the uh, watching live, but really stood out uh, watching the second time is even with the starting unit, the Nuggets put the ball in Will Barton's hands as a point guard a lot more and used Monte Morris as a spot-up shooter a lot more. And the two things that that, that happened there, Monte Morris hits two catch-and-shoot three-pointers. Monte, a very good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. He's he's much better at that than he is as a like an off-the-dribble shooter. And Will Barton, a very good playmaker, especially pick-and-roll playmaker. So you kind of switched 
Barton was basically effectively the point guard. Monte Morris effectively the shooting guard. And that third quarter, the Denver Nuggets looked like the 2014 Spurs for about seven minutes. Ooh. The ball was popping. The defense was locked in. Everybody seemed to know their role. And it was just incredible to watch uh, how well things were going. Um, I talked about the flare screens. I think this is the one where we get a little bit of a celebration. So I want to play it here. Um, this is another flare screen between Yoke and Michael Porter here. Let me see. You see it? Oh, yeah. This is it's a quick hitter. This mm -hmm. is just a quick little action in transition. Yoke stamps up. And because they're expecting like some, some pick and roll, Aiton's right now focused more on the ball. You get this flare screen. Yoke does a great job. Now all of a sudden you have to rotate up. Porter does a great job of making a quick a quick read. You see how quickly he gets that out of his hands. And of course, what do we get? The reverse dunk that was just so simple. This is right at uh, the point. I mean, Denver's like really starting to cook here. They were down, what, eight at the half? And we're yep. just uh, less than halfway through. And all of a sudden they're up five. So this was on, this was like, when the vibes were absolutely immaculate. Mm -hmm. um, and then I have another one here in transition. I just wanted to pop. This is the ball popping. Again, everybody knowing the role. Porter probably still could have gotten to the corner a little bit quicker. He still doesn't quite Definitely. go quick enough. But you get it? Or Aaron Gordon, this is what I mean. He doesn't have to be super dynamic. You just have to keep the ball moving. And look at this. Look at how this team feels right now. Look at that score. This team is feeling it. Like they know they just had a near perfect six minute stretch of basketball mm -hmm. and everybody is just so hyped. You go from down eight to up 12 or whatever it was in that little stretch up nine. And uh, you just saw, I mean, this is everybody yoke move. Gordon, look at, look at yoke beat eight and down the floor and then get the position for the yep. potential offensive rebound. And I what mean, I love did. is look at, look at Porter who doesn't even touch the ball in this possession. He's just, he's a part of it, but he doesn't touch the ball and just watch his reaction. Yes, sir. Yeah. Like they're all, they're all just like, dude, we are <laughs> cooking right now. And it's just, it, it was so cool to see. Cause they were, they were absolutely rolling at this point in the game. It was, it was incredible. Um, so encouraged again by it. Aaron Gordon, just a, a great swing passer. Um, he's starting to look, you know, really, really great. It's just another guy that can keep the ball moving. And it's one of my, one of my favorite things. Um, some of another note I have in here, some of Faku's turnovers were, like mind blowing because Faku is so good and so disciplined, but some of the turnovers he had were like, if Bones would have made those, you'd have been like, no, Rook, you can't do that. <laughs> and yeah. the fact Faku made them was was kind of staggering. Nuggets, I, I mentioned earlier, they were taking advantage of the fact that McGee was dropping so deep. They did do some things. I, people talk about Malone as a prepared coach, how prepared he is. The Nuggets were so prepared for this game, like they they especially in the second half. It was very clear they were like, okay, here's the gaps in what they're doing, and we're going to take advantage of them. And that's why I say this didn't feel like the first game, an extension of the preseason. This felt like a completely different different game, and I think it was in large part because Denver knew exactly what their game plan, and it was almost surgical. Um, and, and then taking advantage of it, what I mean is they ran a little play to get Porter in the mid-range. They ran a play to get Barton a three, and these were set plays where they were like, we know that JaVale's not going to step out on this. So we're going to run a play to do this, and we're going to shoot the ball with confidence. Um, the the Barton in the bench lineup, which was fantastic, actually started out in, on a Suns 8-0 run. It actually started out really, really poorly. Um, there was – oh, do I have the Barton dunk? Yeah, I do. I have a Barton dunk here I wanted to show because it was – do you remember this dunk? It was after the whistle, but it yeah. highlights how healthy he must be feeling. Yeah. Do you remember it? Yeah. For so sure. take a look at this. Like, this is probably the best like game dunk Barton has had. He's, he jumped In so high, years. he didn't even land right. 
And I, I put it in slow motion here so you can kind of see how he gathers, gets up, cocks it back. Honest to God. This I, is Memphis Will Barton. <laughs> I was going to say, I haven't seen Barton dunk the ball that well for probably like four years. It didn't count. But nonetheless, man, that that to me is a meaningful little thing that happened after the whistle. Totally. And he had a couple of real nice finishes at the rim. I mean, you showed one already, kind of that double pump he had where he was just gliding through the paint. Yep. So yeah, his athleticism looks great. He's just, I mean, if you're going up for a dunk like that, confident in your body at that point. Yeah. Here is a, um, let me see, what did I have here? Oh, more pick and pops. So you see, like, you talked earlier, Harrison, about how, what was the difference in the first half and second half with the second unit? Well, again, let's take a look at the how deep JaVale McGee is and how easy it is to sort of know where your shots are coming when you know how a defender is going to play you. Barton sets it up. Jeff Green steps in two for two. And it's like, yeah, you do that. And you go from, this was a three point game when this started. Um, and you get back to back. Look, it's a three point game. You run this, you just know JaVale McGee and his tendency. So it's like, Hey, mm -hmm. easy attack the defender, pick and pop. All right. Now three points. We're up six points. Very next possession. We're up six points. Let's go up nine points. And this is, this is the difference. This really is the difference between good and second bad unit. You know, Barton being in there made a difference. When you talk about, is it MPJ that you want with that second unit? Is it Barton? Barton is more capable of doing those types of things, you know, running the, you know, facilitating that. But it's also just great game planning because of, you know, you, you know exactly what your big is going to do. It's just Barton making the easy play. I mean, it's just the right play, the easy play, the simple play, yeah. not trying to do too much or force the issue. Yeah. Composo got under Chris Paul's skin. We talked about that in the winner's lounge last night on yesterday's show. Uh, PJ Dozier's threes were huge, balanced. Um, they just came at important points. Again, you talk about that second unit looking good. Part of it was they just knocked down shots that they were getting in that first half. Um, and then when Jokic took over, when he came back in the second time, he took over. And this is the thing people yeah. don't always know about Yoke. Yoke knows like what time it is. <laughs> he knows like, okay, I need to come into this game it's the fourth quarter. We're up like seven, eight, but I need to come in and establish that this game is over. And he came out and like three plays in a row just was aggressive hits. I think he hits. That's when he hit the Sambor. He hit a little spinning side. Like he just came out and was like, no, you guys aren't going to stop me even with good defense tonight. So you better really turn up your offense because that's what it's going to take. And it was just such a great, like we talk about Faku disrupted Chris Paul's ability to do that thing. Jokic checks in and he does it. Like he was the mm -hmm. better closer between the two last night. And it was, it was effortless to be honest. Um, and his Sambor, what a gift. It was such a gift. I put this on Twitter, but he, he hits the Sambor and then it was a Sambor fall away, like turnaround fall away, not even a straight up Sambor. And, um, I loved it because Richard Jefferson, and I don't even remember the, the guy who's calling the game, the play-by-play the, the -play guy, but... Mark Jones, I think. Mark Jones. They're, they're going back and forth about whether or not it was ugly. <laughs> they're like, was that smooth or was that gross? And like, honest to God, Jokic's Sambors are both. They are both like awkward and you've never seen them and they look like something a dad would do in a driveway, not like a thing you practice. But at the same time, they also look exactly like what it is he's trying to do. So... And it looks so effortless. So it, it really is hilarious how much it's both things at once. Um, I love the Composo, Dozier, Jeff Green. Like the minutes we got in the second half, I thought were great. We talked about it a little bit earlier where you put those three guys out there. What's it going to look like? But the second half, they look really good. Um, I, I mentioned this on a, an edition of the list, I believe, earlier in the preseason. I'm going to pull it up here. But we need a name for these plays that Jokic makes because it's a legitimate skill where the ball is loose off of the rim and he can't grab it, 
but he knows like just tip it away yeah. like if, if don't try to tip it to myself just tip it to the group and he's i i don't see anybody else do it as often as he does like once a game he does this thing and it's just like it went from it, that became a rebound even though he didn't get credit for it that's it's just such a a smart play it's, it's the incredible. first guy i ever remember tipping stuff out like that was tyson chandler like he made it a thing right, but his yeah. tips he were hard, like though. wild uncontrolled like all the way out to the three-point line Jokic is tipping it to a guy that he's trying to tip it to controlled tips man it's yeah. like it's it's, un, it's unbelievable um and then uh I'm, I'm glad aaron gordon had his moment with that block i felt like everybody had their moment in this game and that's part of what yesterday and he's like yeah but Jokic didn't do it all and i'm like no that's the, that was what was so cool about it Jokic was dominant in this game i thought he was dominant but when you play a, a title contender one player can't do it all like you need other guys to show up and barton had his moments gordon had his moments porter had his moments like everybody had jeff green had his moments and i just thought it was cool that everybody had a little moment in in this game um the Suns missed a couple, you know, shots in that fourth quarter. I, 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 when I watched it live, I thought, ooh, Phoenix went a little cold. Maybe Denver went a little hot. I actually don't think that. I think Denver missed a couple, like, nail in the coffin moments. One of them, Michael Porter, wide open in the corner off of a Jokic kickout. That would have been a sealer. He missed that. Denver had just as many um, as I thought. I thought uh, of those that could have gone right as Phoenix did. So I actually don't think there was any like regression in this game or, or hot luck. Um, don't even remember what this play is. Let me take, Oh, I know what it is here. This is the sealer. You see Barton. I mean, he closes the door and I'm so glad he got to be the one to close the door. But mm -hmm. what I love, if you followed last year during the playoffs, Monte Morris, so good with this little freeze dribble, uh, at making the second line commit. So here's Deandre Ayton. He doesn't want to have to tag for too long. You don't want to have to switch. And here he does a little scissor step here and then gets in. And so you can see that little scissor step actually gets Ayton. He, late so now Aiton's actually late to react so now he has to bite hard Mikhail Bridges has to suck in and he gets the ball there this is a great setup by Monte Morris hesitation gets it out yeah, and that's excellent. why you get it so Barton gets all the glory because he knocks it down but that is a phenomenal setup by Monte Morris and again look at this bench man like this was watching the bench and and the team every time out they knew they were cooking and I that's what you love you love when a team sort of knows why they're good and that's what this was for the, for the Nuggets. They, I felt like they knew why they were good. Yeah. Um, the Nuggets starting lineup played 27 minutes. That's the most of any five-man lineup so far. Every team's played one game. The Nuggets, 27 minutes. It's the most, and it's seven more than the second most. The second most <laughs> five used five-man unit so far this season played 20 minutes. Now, think about that. One team went to double overtime. They didn't even have a unit to go past 20 minutes. The Nuggets get 27 from theirs. This is a theme, by the way. Every year... Every Until year. somebody gets hurt, the Nuggets starters play like the most minutes of anybody together. Like Malone yeah. loves these hockey subs for better or for worse. But the Nuggets had the fourth best net rating amongst five-man lineups to play at least 10 minutes. And they were the only team in the top 10 to play, you know, over 18, I think, or over 17, something like that. So it's not – a lot of times after a one-game sample size, you can have a crazy net rating off of three minutes or five minutes. The fact that the Nuggets have the fourth best and they played the most minutes – tells you how dominant that five-man unit was it was thoroughly dominant in their bag uh and it was just so encouraging to see and the fact that you have a jamal murray you get to add to this lineup it honestly should have every nuggets fan encouraged so the Nuggets starters outscored the suns when they were on the floor 66 to 47 in <laughs> it sounds minutes. even crazier forget the net rating Plus it sounds 19. crazier just to say the raw number 
And when the stars were on the floor last night, the Nuggets shot 60% from the field and 48% from three. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. Well, that does it. You have any other parting thoughts? Um, guys, what I, this was our first time trying it out, th this method. I thought it was a lot of fun. I like doing it with you too, Harrison, kind of the back and forth of this. I'll say um, I didn't get to look at the chat just because I'm pushing all of the controls and doing everything over here. But this was a um, – to me, this uh, I, I like this format. I'd like to keep it going uh, as a little added bonus for DNVR members. So if you like it, give it a shout-out, but also give it a shout-out on social media. Let other people know so more and more people will sign up and, and get to participate in these chats. you have any parting thoughts, uh, Harrison? What do you think of Jokic's defense last night? I thought it was great. Asked this question. I thought, it, I thought it was really good. Um, you know, Jokic – is sort of who he is but one of the things that he is that's underrated is he just knows what's going on like you talk about guys that were locked in and kind of were anticipating where things were Jokic yeah. always always knows where he is so um I thought it was very good very good defense. I thought it was very good too especially when he was one-on-one -on -one against Aiden the thing Jokic's is not good at is obviously that spread pick and roll but Denver's defensive chemistry uh, I asked that question a lot. I don't know if you were around when I was asking. I asked like every player like about defensive chemistry and they all talked about how it's communication. I was almost disgruntled with that answer. I wish there was maybe a little bit more to be offered because I do feel like Faku, Rivers, and Jokic, do they have great pick and roll defensive chemistry? I don't think so. They haven't played together that long. They don't know each other's tendencies. Monte Morris, Will Barton, Jamal Murray, those guys have great pick and roll mm -hmm. chemistry. And maybe it is as simple as they communicate well to each other. But I have to think it's also there's a chemistry that comes and a communication chemistry that comes when you've played with each other where you just kind of know the rhythms of, of what to say, when to say it, how to step up and react to it and all of that. And uh, I thought it was good. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. Don't forget to give us a shout out on social media and we'll give you a retweet if you enjoyed this and we'll keep them going. Um, that's it for today. We'll see you guys tomorrow, Friday, hopefully in the winner's lounge. We'll see you then. Right now at Strava Craft Coffee, DNVR listeners, you guys can get 25% off your first purchase with the code DNVR25. And if you're a returning customer, you can use the code DNVR20 for 20% off your order. Of course, Strava Craft Coffee is packed with CBD. It can help relieve back pain, neck pain, arthritis, IBS, stuff that's been going on for a while, long-term uh, aches and pains that you just haven't been able to get rid of. Try out CBD, try out Strava Craft Coffee. It can really help a lot. So use the code DNVR20 for 20% off. If you're a first-time customer, DNVR25 will eat 25% off at StravaCraftCoffee.com.